thank you for joining us. Um, we are going to hop on to a topic that I know a lot of people are talking about right now, which is um, the MGM breach or, or attack that happened last week and that I think they're still trying to, to, um, to shake out. Um, we're going to take a look at it from a different angle. Um, as, as our organization processed what was going on, as, as I think a lot of others were, um, you know, I think you can look at what happened to, to MGM in a couple ways, right? I mean, first of all, um, I think it's a wake-up call to all of us that when you take a look at an organization like that, um, casinos, hotels, lots of money going in and out of that organization, you know that they have invested heavily in physical security and cybersecurity and securing their data. And so when you look at that, you kind of feel like, wow, if that can happen to them, it can happen to anyone. Perspective one. Perspective two, I think people can look at it and go, well, of course, it's, it's it, you know, it's the MGM or the week after, it's Clorox. So, you know, of course people are going after the big guys. Of course, cyber adversaries are going after after the big fish. And I think we want to talk about that too, to say, eh, yes and no. So kind of two separate topics, but at the end of the day, we really want to wind up and, and talk to everyone about everybody needs to be secure, right? And, and we're really operating in this world where um, attacks, ransoms, it can happen to anybody. And if we're operating in that world, how do you prepare for the inevitable? So I think those are kind of the three areas that really, as we talked about the MGM, we were kind of like, let's, let's look at this from a few perspectives. Yeah. The, um, as we, whenever we look at scenarios like this, when we're looking at threats in the world and things that are happening in the ecosystem, when we see news reports, articles, or advisories that are coming out from the FBI that say, here's the threat actors, here's what they're doing, here's their indications of compromise. Um, number one, we're taking that data and we're making sure that we feed it into our own threat feeds so that we're looking for those indications of compromise. So if they happen one of our customers, we're helping them protect themselves. But really the lens that I try to look at the world at when I see these types of articles, um, of course, the sales side of our business is like, we need to go help them. The But the security lens that I always put energy into is, if this was me and I was in that CISO's shoes, where did I skip something where what gap did i have that allowed this to come in was there something i could have done better and there's no i'm not trying to hear point fingers at no. any failures or anything like that you could do everything just right and somebody can still get in we've had scenarios where they have the best layers of protections um uh, whether they were with us or on their own and still the bad actor got in and and mgm's a uh, it's hard to assess MGM's uh, security footprint from the outside in, but this particular attack was a vishing attack where they basically use social engineering to get the credentials of an admin. And it's really difficult in a security role to identify an admin that is doing something wrong. And is it wrong or are they just doing their job? Right. So when somebody has an admin credential that they didn't crack or do elevation of privilege for, then then it's very difficult to identify that attack. There's, you know, the the other security folks on the other side of this camera right now are saying, that's BS. You should have seen the password change. You should have seen the guy doing lateral movement. And, and all of those things are true. 
but they rely on multiple layers of security and we should have also seen segmentation that would have prevented the lateral movement. So there's a lot of things I would say from the outside in. It's really easy to say, here's where they failed, here's what they could have done. But let's not spend our cycles right. there. So right. Let's put our energy into the two perspectives. Number one, they are MGM. If I was a bad actor, I'd be targeting somebody like an MGM because the ransom's going to be $3 million, $10 million, $3 billion right. versus, you know, I'm going to go target a small company that it's, I'm going to get maybe a million dollars out of. Um, so that's that's could be an accurate perspective for somebody to take. But the reality is it takes a lot more work to compromise an MGM than it does to compromise an average company. And if I'm sitting in a bad actor's shoes who is running a ransomware ring or ransomware as a service model, I'm going to try to do a splatter across the entire ecosystem at whatever stick sticks. And I will take $30 million ransoms over one thirty million ransom all day long mm -hmm. because the work, the effort is much simpler on those $30 million ransoms than it is in the one thirty million. So the, the, the thing that I would say to those, to the perspective that says I'm small, they're not worried about me. They're worried about the big guys. The metrics in the industry, the percentages, the attack ratios, all that, don't talk to that. Mm -hmm. the, the, we, we've said repeatedly a couple of these metrics. One out of every two companies is getting attacked. Large or small. One out of two. Across the board. Period. Right. So you look left and right. The person to one side is getting attacked today. Or you. It's, it's one out of two is a hard number to argue. 50% of the companies are being attacked. Out of those 50% that are being attacked, 75% of those, three out of four of them, are getting encrypted. That's huge. Not good numbers. Those are huge yeah. odds. And then somebody who's been encrypted is going to get hit again. Eight out of 10 of those people who have been encrypted are going to get hit again. So if you take those metrics and distill them down to what they actually mean, you're in a room with 15 people. Three people have been attacked, encrypted, and hit a second time. And five of them have been encrypted. And seven and a half of them, or eight, have been attacked. So that's those odds are really, you got to just sit there for a second and say, oh my God, I'm in meetings or lunches or dinners or whatever with my peers. I'm sitting in rooms with 15 minutes and that many people have been attacked, but they're not saying anything. Nobody wants to say I'm being attacked. So let's let's back up for a second and talk about what that means. If you have the perspective that I'm not big enough for these guys to target, you need to shift that perspective right. immediately. Right. They don't care what size you are. If they get a hundred thousand out of you, they'll be happy. They're they're just making money and it doesn't cost them much to generate an attack on a small company. They'll take small companies all day long. And Almost everybody has cyber insurance today, so they're betting on the fact that cyber insurance is going to pay out, and you don't have good security tools if you're smaller, so it's a lot easier to compromise. And you haven't done all the things you need to to train your people, so your users are easier to take advantage of. So there's a lot of factors there. Um, but I, I know that most of you came to this session seeing MGM, and you want to peel back the attack a little second. So let's, let's spend a minute talking about the attack itself. What, what ended up happening uh, for MGM was there there was a bad actor who did their social research and and uh, social attacks um, have changed over the years. What used to be uh, social engineering used to be dumpster diving. We'd go literally, yeah. We would go behind buildings and go look for emails, letters, whatever, identify employees, um, look for employee lists that got thrown away. 
whatever the cases were, we try to find information, um, bank statements or HR documents that had social security numbers on them. That's what social engineering was, was one aspect of it was the dumpster diving. The other aspect of it was dressing up like the UPS guy and walking into the building and asking questions. The other aspect was being the electrical contractor coming in to check the AC and walking through the building and plugging in a, a bad device, a rogue device. Social a lot of time. That would take a lot of time to execute all that. And it was those in the in that world, you, you typically didn't do that across hundreds of companies. Right. You targeted. And in this case, this was a targeted attack. The social engineering of today is go to social media. So they went to LinkedIn. They identified who worked there, who was in a title of that would probably have domain admin credentials. They did research on that individual on their social sites. They then called in to the support desk and had the password changed and, uh, and used a valid password changed by the IT team to go in and start to compromise and start moving laterally and start the encryptions. So um, while I said there's, you know, we could look at this in hindsight and say there's a bunch of things that could have been done to slow it down, to prevent some of it, to reduce the attack surface. The, the source of this attack was a human that had made a mistake and fundamentally in that human that was the support person who changed the password by not having, and it's not their fault, I'm not targeting this individual, by not having multiple layers of identification. And I don't mean two-factor authentication. I don't mean that kind of stuff. If an ad IT admin is changing the password for another IT admin, there's two-factor doesn't matter in that scenario. The password's new and they're gonna get in. The where, where really the implication is, is how do you identify somebody who is calling in and you can't see their face, you don't know who they are to validate that they are indeed who they are. So there's a layer of identity here that goes beyond the, I've got, it's me, I've got my device, I've got my pen, I've got my whatever, that has to be able to be inspected with security questions that say, you know, who is your grandmother's pet or whatever, pick security questions that you love that the user puts in that validates that user is indeed who they are, especially for admins. So I would say the, the, the door that got, you know, kicked open pretty easily, or I should say the handle that got turned really easily and walked in because the door wasn't locked was that support notion of we don't have a way to identify that this user is who they say they are. And I remember 20 years ago, I got a, I had a customer of ours that called in and wanted their password changed and it was the CEO of the company. And our team said, I'm sorry, I can't do that because you don't have your ID, your PIN. And uh, they went irate and they bubbled all the way up the chain. And I remember having to have a conversation with that individual. And I said, this was a inconvenient and uncomfortable situation for you to be in. But imagine if somebody else had called in pretending like they were you and was irate and yelled at our staff and we did it. And they got into your computer, they got into your bank accounts and they shuffled everything to the Caymans. What would you be thinking of us then? And that was, the, I could see the moment when the, the light changed in this person's eye and they said, oh my God, thank you so much. Um, that hasn't changed. That was 20 years ago. And we just dealt with the same situation for a very large company. So we can't lose sight of the basics is the key I would say here. There isn't, there's, you know, we have repeatedly on these tech talks talked about, it's a layer of defense. You really need to make sure that you're protecting 
at the edge. So when things are coming in from the outside, so we always talk about our five layers are email, DNS, endpoint, network, and and then 24 by 7 visibility. But if if in this case, this wasn't email, it was through the support desk, but concepts the same. Having that layer of defense that is your people are your first layer of defense. Right after that is the tools that are monitoring password changes, uh, impossible logins, things like that. Those tools need to be there. But once you get past that, the next thing is DNS. This hacker could not have spread like crazy without connecting to a command and control. Their system, whatever tool they deployed, downloaded and connected to a command and control and brought down the other tools to spread through the network and encrypt. They also exfiltrated data. So that exfiltration of data had to use a tool to exfiltrate. So those are the DNS component comes in to say, we know this is a known bad site. There's been attacks that have come from here before. These are file uh, uh, extractors or movers that we should keep an eye out for. So the alarms should have gone off there. The next layer is the endpoint. As soon as the endpoint starts seeing, even if it's a domain admin who is moving from machine to machine to machine, encrypting and exfiltrating data, the endpoint should jump in and say, enough's enough, I'm gonna stop this thing. Um, or, you know, obviously I'll, call, I'll come back to the people side of it. And then lastly, the network should have segmentation and zero trust access so that it would be difficult to get in and access anything. But once you're in, it's difficult to get beyond a small segment of the systems instead of spreading to the whole ecosystem. And then finally, the 24 by seven security staff that is looking for all those signals. And so that's, that's really, I would say, if we were to dissect this thing and say, what could I do better? it would be to make sure that those layers of defense were in place. But as individuals, this whole thing started with people. Yeah. So security awareness is something that everybody thinks I've got that covered. And what that security awareness training has shifted to is phishing training, which teaches people how not to click on a bad email. But we forget social engineering. We forget the stuff that used to be table stakes 20 years ago. And our security awareness training needs to encompass and incorporate if somebody's calling you and saying or texting you and saying, I'm the CEO or I'm the IT admin, the seed, the board wants me to do X, I need it now, ship money here. Those are all things that should trigger human responses that say, hold on a second, let me check this out. Um, we used well, to have a, we used to have a peer that used to say, when in doubt, check it out. Yeah. Well, and I think it's so hard and this is exactly what adversaries play off of right is um your human nature is i'm hearing something someone is either in peril there's something that needs to be done quickly i need to help solve it right i mean that is your human nature especially in business right if you are an admin if you're in you know it support that's your job right and so it's it's time to remediation time to fix time to help and so you are wired to help take care of that quickly. 100%. And that's exactly what they play upon. And so, you know, whether you're MGM or whether you're, you know, Dick's Hardware, you know, on Main Street, um, it's hard to train someone to be discerning, you know, when, when they're trying to, to, to do that. And you just wonder, how do you train a help desk um, is it training or is it another layer of protection that we have to have? And how quickly is it that they're going to find another place to breach through kind of the humanness of, of what we are to try to get around the protections we put up? That's a great question. Um, we have a solution that we deploy for customers, uh, our advanced phishing protection. 
And the, the immediate reaction I get when I talk to a prospect about our, we call it APP, our APP solution, is uh, we already do that. I'm like, can you explain to me how you do that? And they say, we use no before. And and 90% say that there's other solutions out there, but the 90% of them say we use no before. And I say, that's great. No before uh, does do some phishing simulation, does it well. It also does do security awareness training and does that fairly well. And it ties those together. Um, but what they do in terms of the, the uh, automatic and systematic, what I call inbox threat and anomaly detection is limited. They're not actually doing crawling through the inboxes. They're more relying on the end user to be your first level of defense. So I always say, please don't get rid of that. Keep that. And then they say, no, I'm also using pick a tool for my email gateway solution using Microsoft's uh, Exchange ATP, Proofpoint, Mindcast, you name it. Um, and again, I say, that's great. That's a gateway-based solution, and you should keep that. What we do is we actually crawl through the inboxes and find threats that got past both of those things, the threats that are sitting in the inbox. Nothing changes in this context either. We're, when you look at what happened at MGM, should we have controls in place that say, I need to validate that this is in fact Bob and Bob does have the authority to have his own password change. And, and then a policy that says admins can't request their own password change. They have to have another admin approve it. And then on top of that, uh, have a mechanism that is taught teaching support. These, this is the policy. This is how we do it. And this is the controls in place. So. You have to have the people side of it, especially for IT, and you have to have the controls in place and the policies in place that they can attach to, rather than making that poor person on the front line have to deal with an admin who's pissed off because he can't do his job. So what I'm hearing you say is, um, and, and I guess it's, it's what we talk about all the time, right? That right now, people are going to put into place, oh my gosh, okay, I got to go make sure my admins and my help desk is, is buttoned up more than more than they are just to make sure, right? So now we're all, all going to go out and we're going to try to, um, I don't want to say overcorrect, but try to get that up to speed and make sure that, that we're good there. And while we're doing that, you know, they're off finding somewhere else. But what you're saying is wherever it is they come in, if it's through the help desk getting a password change, if it's through phishing, if it's wherever, the priority is beneath that to have all of those layers so that however it is they get in, right? They're going to find a way to get in the door. It's going to be the door, the bedroom window, the garage, whatever. Someone will find a way to get in. So the point is once they get in, what do you do? So how do, what are your prevention and detection strategies? And then God forbid, how are you going to respond and react if you're breached? Yep. So having those fundamental layers in place, no matter what, is really the priority. 100%. I, uh, my first tech company I worked at was a company called uh, Tesseract. And of course, I had to go figure out what that name meant, which, you know, I read, read Wrinkle in Time. I did all my studies. I like... And I love the concept of a cube in the fourth dimension. And I've always, my, my perspective on how I solve problems is always looking at it from a cube perspective, which is you can come to the center of the cube from any one of the six sides. It's you can come in at any perspective and get into that core 
So there's multiple pathways into that court. And then you add the time dimension to that. And now you've got another metric you got to think about. So that concept of Tesseract, Tesseract was a human resources company, so it had nothing to do with security, but it's always stuck with me. And that's how I think of the world is we have to look at all the pathways into the target, into the goal line. And, and not only from a path perspective, but from a time perspective, when in the cycle did they do this? They probably will come in from multiple paths. And this is no different. This is you have the human element, which is your front line. You have the technology element, which is your technical controls. And then you have to have policies, which are a blend of physical people and technology that tie it all together. Um, I laughed um, this week, this past week. Um, I was watching with my wife uh, the, the show The Resident and the hospital got compromised and they were asking, they started with a something like 8 million and then they went to 1 billion and they kept going up because the hospital wasn't paying. And uh, the reason I laughed was um, some random person showed up and turned the tables on the hackers and basically exposed them by turning on the cameras on their computer systems and uh, exposed them. So the FBI showed up and the ransom was done. It's not how it works in real life. It would be amazing <laughs> if that's how it works. It's, I have not had one incident response, but we've been able to flip the tables on the, on the hackers. They're, they're smart. They're, they're like us. They're not, they're not dumb people. They're IT people who decided they're going to go to the dark side. It's like if you think take the Star Wars, you know, where there there's Jedi's on one side, there's the bad guys on the other, but they're all using the Force. Um, so the fact is, um, we need to think about we're fighting against ourselves, and if we were on the other side of that offensive, what would we be doing, and how do we defend against ourselves? And not thinking these guys are smarter than us or these guys are dumber than us. It's their other technology people is the reality. So we, we started out saying, okay, if MGM can be breached, if MGM can have this issue, given the resources, given the experts, anybody can. True. True. <laughs> um, the other one we talked about was, well, thank goodness it's MGM and it was Clorox and it's all these people. You know, they're focused here. It's not going to be me. That's not my statement. False. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so... So you've gone through all of these layers um, and protections. Um, you know, we always try to wrap this up with, it's complicated, right? And I think our adversary takes advantage of the complexities, takes advantage of the fact that we're probably always going to be trailing behind them, whether it's from technology efficacy, whether it's our skill sets, whatever. We're, 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 we're going to be trailing them. How... And um, an organization that is not in business to do security, how can you get close enough to hear that you can feel like your business is safe enough um, and, and not constantly vulnerable? The, um, I would say a couple things. Number one is um, no matter how many times we talk about it isn't about the tools, conversations with prospects always go to the tools mm -hmm. and and the reality is that we in tech have grown to tell me how the tool works what it does what the mechanics are i want to make sure we're picking the right tool and what we really need to back up to is it really isn't about the tool there's you know four thousand security vendors out there and each of them has varying scales of good bad or mm -hmm. or ugly um the, the approach really should be to make sure that you have the layers of controls 
And there should be due diligence gone into selecting those tools. That doesn't have to be you internally. If you have a partner that does that due diligence and is picking the right tools and they have a track record of showing they can do that that well, um, have some faith in that partner and put trust in that partner. But inspect that the results are there. Inspect that when you're getting your reports and your data that, that things are being blocked, that they're identifying things. You know, the, Those are all the layers of things to think about as you're thinking about a solution. The challenge to the complexity of what we just described is to if you go and try to implement that five layers of security that I discussed, and there may be many more layers, but we just covered five. And, and when I say there may be, there is. There's so many other things we can do to better protect our environment, depending on the type of business we're in. But to implement those five could take a long time with tool selection, evaluations, implementation, We've seen companies that are on a multi-year journey to achieve what I just described. And they're not the size of MGM. They're not the size of yeah. MGM. And, you know, it's, and it's, we're not talking, we, we've seen customers in the 50 to 100 seats that are struggling with picking the tools and making it cost effective, mostly because the vendors don't think about those guys. They think about MGM. So they don't make it cost effective for the smaller companies. They have minimums that make it hard to onboard the right tools. So you have to settle for tools that do support the, the small ecosystem. On the flip side, we see companies that are, you know, 100 to 1,000 seats that are on this multi-year journey and they pick a tool and they start implementing it. And by the time they get to the next layer, that first tool is no longer effective and they have to now evaluate a new set of tools. And they don't work well together or the, you know, the tool they pick for layer two conflicts with the tool for layer one. So there's so many moving parts to making it happen that delays and prevents. And mm -hmm. in the meantime, hackers sit inside networks for 200 days on average, figuring out where your crown jewels are. I heard a report the other day that it's now 300 days on average, not mm -hmm. 200. So think about somebody sitting in your network for a year and looking at what, where your systems are, what they are, what where your good data is. So it's it's the complexities prevent us from keeping up with right. the hackers. So what can someone do? I mean, the simplest answer, and again, this is the bias mm -hmm. of somebody who built this infrastructure, find somebody who did what we did. We have a list of the five layers of security can be implemented in your environment with a 30-day onboarding guarantee. Mm -hmm. In 30 days, you have those five layers of security and you're now being protected against right. what's in the market. We have customers who insurance has come back with two, 300 uh, question questionnaires and they turn around, they're like, what do we do? And we're like, send us the questionnaire and it's check, 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 check all the way down. Uh, and we knock out 90% of those. And some of them are HR people process type stuff that we can't touch, but the technology controls right. are all checked with very little effort. Yeah. So you accelerate your ability to be insurable. Mm -hmm. You accelerate your... To stay insurable. To stay insurable. Because the insurance companies are now saying, if you don't fill this out and if you don't do this, we're either going to increase your premiums right. by four or 500% or we can't insure right. you anymore. Well, because they also are seeing 50% yeah. of their customers being breached now. Yep. And so it's not for them... Are we ever going to pay out? It's we know we're going to pay. How, out. how do we how get much? better control? Right, <laughs> right, right. So yeah, so absolutely, time in that sense is of the essence. Yes. And the longer the longer you wait to be mature, obviously, the the more at risk you are. Um, well, thank you. I hope this was valuable to folks who joined. Um, 
And again, you know, this was, um, you know, in, in no way an intent to either gauge, assess, or critique MGM, but it was a use case for us to just dive in and say, wow, what does this mean? And what can what can the average organization out there do? Yeah, and everything I shared with you is information that's publicly available for the MGM breach. So it's, you know, are, uh, are definitely wouldn't want to be sitting in that position dealing with the recovery at MGM. Sure. It's a difficult position for them and their team. So our hearts go out to them. And uh, this is in no way, like yeah, you said. We're all on the same side here. Yes. We all have the same adversary. Uh, but what we will offer, um, you know, <clears throat> as you listen to what Shaheen spoke about and, you know, if you're kind of thinking about where your organization is or maybe where you know it's not, um, we have two things that we would love to offer you um, that we offer frequently. One is a security health check. So if you've already made some investments, if you're kind of wondering, hey, you know, are we red, yellow, green, healthy, not healthy? Um, we would love to help you um, do that. We have a complimentary health check. Um, we can get through that in two weeks for you um, and really help you understand um, where you're at risk and where you're solid. Um, <clears throat> the other thing that we offer is an economic roadmap. You know, Shaheen talked about people that are on this, you know, multi-phase journey, um, as most people are, right? Everyone has spent something. Um, you know, pretty much nobody out there is kind of saying, oh, I don't need to spend on security at all. So we understand you've made investments. So how are those investments working for you? And where is it that over time would make most sense for you to continue to invest? So, you know, both of these things are complementary. Um, both of these things really, as we said, we're all on this journey together. Um, we are the good guys and we're trying to help um, everyone be as secure as possible. So please take us up on that offer if you'd like. And um, with that, we will say goodbye and we will see you in October.